You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Slot Order Marathon winner is Allison Priest of Greentown, Indiana. Allison will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Margot Donahue, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit Season 19, Episode 8, Intent. It was the catfisher, not me. The person who did this deserves jail time. The catfisher can't be an accomplice to rape unless there is a rape. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and host of Crime Writers On, HGTV and me, and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcast, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Are you sure it's Rebecca Lavoie that you're talking to, Kevin? You thinking I might be catfished? <laughs> By a catfisher? <laughs> My goodness. Well, I hope we're not catfished by our special guest from the Book versus Movie podcast. It's Margo Donahue. Hi, Margo. Hi, guys. I'm really excited to be here. Well, you're not actually here. That's part of the catfishing <laughs> thing. It's because you can't really tell. But it feels like you're here in my apartment. Is that weird? <laughs> yeah, you say you're in Brooklyn, but you really could be in West Virginia. <laughs> we have to talk about this episode, you guys. <laughs> or you could be like in Westchester, like West- pretending like it's West Virginia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just need to find the motel with the lawn jockeys. I need to find right. that motel. I need to find it. So, Margo, tell us, how did your relationship with Law & Order begin It began, I graduated college in 94 and I moved to New York and I didn't have a lot of money. So I watched a lot of television to entertain myself and I just started watching it. Like it used to be on A&E, remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was on all the time and then moved to TNT and then it was on TNT for a very, very long time. And it's just one of those shows that it just seeped into my pores and I just kind of went along with it and I've been with it. I stayed with it the whole time. I was right there with Lupo and Bernard that <laughs> last season. <laughs> I clung on. <laughs> and then with the Law & Order SVU, I've been in and out of it. I have to say, you guys, I haven't watched it in a couple of years, so it was a little bit of a, a bit of, I had to get used to it a bit. There's a few new characters, but mm-hmm. it was interesting. Mm. <laughs> she had a little like Carisi introduction is what I'm guessing yeah. <laughs> and I want to call her Khaleesi for some reason I guess that's what yeah. we know what else you've been watching <laughs> now you have a friend who wrote a letter to NBC to complain about the casting is yes true? yes so it was the the woman uh, Elizabeth who uh, Elizabeth oh gosh what's her name the, the blonde Wrong. Yes, Elizabeth Rome. I, I knew somebody who worked on the set, and they said they called her Elizabeth because of her acting. <laughs> <laughs> but my friend... Aw, poor Serena Sutherland. She's wonderful. Uh, but yeah, my friend like really, really did not like her on the show and used to write these weird long letters to the producers to get rid of her. But she stayed on for quite a while. But eventually she wore them down. <laughs> I think she probably did. Uh, no, and Kevin, they... it was because she was a lesbian. Is this because I'm a lesbian? Oh, that's right. <laughs> That was an amazing reveal, was it not? 
It was. It was. <laughs> Apropos of absolutely nothing. 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 If I'm suddenly fired, that's what I'm going to say. Is it because I'm a lesbian? Is it because I'm a lesbian? <laughs> so, Margo, do you have a favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. I am so original. I like Briscoe and Green. I know. Mm-hmm. Everybody likes that one, but those are the best episodes. <laughs> I you think know? you're right. You're not alone. As long yeah. as you can take comfort in that. It's, I mean, you might not be original, but at least you have company. I have com- <laughs> And then I do have a fondness for Lupo and Bernard the last mm. season. It could be because Jeremy Sisto is really hot and sexy, but, you know. <laughs> I, but I had a lot of fondness for it. I thought like that last season, actually, they were kind of turning it around and they were going somewhere, but... They just ran out of time. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah no, I actually agree with you because they've been showing those episodes a lot more mm-hmm. recently, I think, because Anthony Anderson is now so successful on Blackish. So I think they've yeah. been like, digging out the old Lupo and Bernard episodes. So they've been on a, like Ion or whatever that weird channel mm-hmm. is a lot. Oh, TNT, I mean, they're and just rolling through they're them They're super good. They yeah. actually are like... Like almost well written, you know. I don't want to say with Law and Order, you never want to like call it actually well written, but they are they're close. They're a facsimile of well written. Margot, do you have a favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite Law and Order District Attorney prosecutorial team. Angie Harmon was my favorite because she was such a meanie. I yeah. love the fact that she always went for the death penalty no matter what they did. <laughs> she, had, she did not give a sh- Can I curse? She, you yeah. can, yes. She did not give a shit where they came from, what happened to them. She told her it was a crime. Come on. <laughs> Burglary. Death penalty. Yeah, I'm going to put on my pearl earrings and silk blouse and fry a man today. That's <laughs> her right. mission. I just loved her. I thought she was fantastic. So I think she was absolutely my favorite. I'm just waiting for the episode where she's just like, okay, hold my purse and my earrings because I am going across the table with this guy. <laughs> All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 19, Episode 8, Intent. We begin on a blind date between Instagram model Katie Miller and a tattoo-covered MMA champion called The Monster. (laughs) And with that nickname, you know he's going to throw her on the bed and not let her go. (laughs) After first telling the nurse she was raped, Katie tells SVU she wasn't. They talk to The Monster, who shows them text messages that Katie sent, first asking to fulfill her rape fantasy and then blackmailing him to keep her from going to the cops. So who's telling the truth? They tell the monster to make the payoff. If Katie doesn't show, they know he's lying. The model turns up but flees the park once she sees her rapist. She says, no, she wasn't there to blackmail him. She also has text messages instructing her to go to the park. The squad knows there is more here than meets the eye. (laughs) You think? Okay, so if they're both telling the truth, there's got to be a third party involved. Catfish? Actually, it was a double catfish. Whoever did it poses Katie to message the monster and the monster to message Kate. <laughs> it's not a catfish. It's a double catfish. <laughs> a double catfish. It's funny every time. It's funny every time. It gets better. Benson wants Barbara to go after the unknown catfisher for engineering Katie's rape. The only way to charge the catfisher is as an accomplice to the crime. And that's to get the monster to confess to raping Katie, something everyone knows he was tricked into doing. Although it will hurt his fighting career, the monster takes a plea to defend Katie's honor and give the cops the green light to pursue 
the high-tech Svengali. Mm. Okay, uh, now we've never done this. We are doing the most recent episode in the current season. I know, because it was bananas. Yeah, there was so much crazy. <laughs> we just had to rush into this one. So let's start with the crime. Big guy covered in tattoos, a mixed martial artist called The Monster. The Monster. Well, yeah, The Monster. Be was, specific. Yeah. Was naming, him, was, was naming him The Rapist just too obvious? or? <laughs> I liked the very beginning, like they're establishing her as a social media super superstar. So she has this big phone and it says Katie's Clatch mm-hmm. and with a K. <laughs> Kathy's Katie's Clatch. I'm like, what the hell? We got to get this shampoo. You know, we got to get this shampoo. And then all of a sudden the, the date starts. It's so ridiculous. It is. And I loved it. I, I did too. But everybody knows you don't buy good shampoo at Dwayne Reed. Come on. You buy it no. at your salon. No, those girls are in Kansas City. It's weird because it has. it starts with this. Well, it actually starts with a little bit of a uh, uh, Benson side story, which we will get to. But then there's this t- totally superfluous scene where these teenagers are looking for the shampoo that Katie Instagram. Blue Glacier. Yeah, and like, you know, the car goes up, clunk, clunk, and they're in Kansas City. It's called Blue Glacier. You were close. Thank you, Katie. And it's, again, I'm thinking, oh, this is somehow going to get tied. No, it's just to show that. Katie, like, you know, puts She's the thing of shampoo She's influential. She's influential. She's a star. She has 200,000 Instagram followers. Well, y'all know teenagers in Kansas City are the coolest ever, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They set the trends. <laughs> I think the best moment, and as, as, you, as you said, double catfishing, is when they discover it and Finn like explains what it is like he's teaching a first grade class Finn knows everything <laughs> he knew what every one of those tattoos on his arm represented you know because he is the master of iconography yes between Finn and Rollins they've uncovered because Rollins knows everything about you know ultimate whatever it is yeah. what is it called ultimate mixed fighting martial mixed martial arts mar- MMA yeah. mixed <laughs> martial arts fighting something or other bare yeah. knuckles yeah. bullshit but when they keep talking about how the monster raped her, it just sounds like every other episode. Just this time, <laughs> monsters with a capital M. It's actually his name. That's right. It's actually his name. We have to go find the monster. Do you think the monster could have done this? And it's the monster. <laughs> what kind of monster? Oh, I'm sorry. The monster. Hey, Kevin, underneath all those muscles, there's a heart. Come on. Okay, we need Kermit to step in. It's our very special guest star, Miss Brooke Shields. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Playing oh, role of interloping Grandma Sheila. Who? Yep. On her uh, her limited uh, appearance run yes. on SVU. Yes. I know, and I, I I just said it without thinking. Really, he was asking so many questions, and I know Ellie loved him. What was your plan if he asked you what happened to her? She's keeping this B storyline going about Olivia, Noah, and, uh, you know, the grandmother. Yep. Um, Are they just trying to keep Olivia from having a normal mother experience? Do they have to keep just, like, throwing crap in? Oh, yeah, they do. I don't know what this show's fetish is. You know, God forbid Olivia have, like, four days of just being, like, someone's mom without someone pointing a gun at her kid or her kid getting kidnapped or her kid having a grandma that's two years younger than his mom. Exactly. By the way, look it up. It's true. I just can't figure what the hell they're trying to do here. I just don't know what they do with Olivia. It's because <laughs> they're always throwing all of her relationships turned to shit. Like she, if she, mm-hmm. you know that old song, if she didn't have bad luck, she would have no luck at all. 
And I wrote down in my my notes, it said, when she eventually dies and her soul is free and she's in the morgue, they're going to put the wrong toe tag on her. Like, that's just like (laughs) a lot in life. (laughs) She has the shittiest, dumbest luck. She does. She does. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this whole thing, you know, again, it's going back years where she just she wants to be a mom and she wanted to adopt and they wouldn't let her adopt. And everything about Noah was such fraught. A, fraught, such a pain in the ass between the court and then like and the know, mom the who was alive for it's a while already and then the was dead. It's the second thing. Yeah. It's already yeah. the second time this season yeah. where the state has investigated. <laughs> you know, like oh no, had a bruise on his arm. Yes, not uh, to mention like the first episode. I think it was this season. This season uh, started with somebody pointing a gun at him. Like that happens oh, all it was the time. Last season, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, a little kid in a playground oh, pulled out a pistol and pointed it right at poor Noah. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course, yeah. to Noah, sure. And then she's got to hold him. And, and, of course, and this isn't even getting to where this episode ends. Right. But, yeah, the whole, I mean, I think the. I, I think they just can't let it be. No, they can't let it be, mm-hmm. except it does give us an opportunity with all these scenes of her walking and talking, doing exposition about Noah outside to get a lot of stories like good close-up looks at Olivia's incredible collection of coats. Like she has more outerwear <laughs> mm. than anybody who lives in an apartment could possibly have. And it's surprising that apparently Noah doesn't have a warm coat, <laughs> which leads to his downfall. <laughs> okay, so the idea here is that in order to go on and get the catfisher. <laughs> Please stop saying that word. <laughs> they well, one to- who catfishes is referred to as what? An imposter. They try to normalize the word catfisher in this episode oh. in a way that makes me super oh, uncomfortable. Bullshit, Margo. Do you have? Uh, have you ever seen MTV? <laughs> I have seen MTV. The show Catfish. <laughs> I have to say, yeah. no, I don't watch that show. That that word is is already normalized. I know it is catfish and catfishing is, but catfisher as the person doing the catfishing, it just seems wrong. It seems wrong. I just also double catfish. I had to write that down with an exclamation <laughs> point, and then I wrote, "Really." <laughs> Yeah. In parentheses. Yeah. As opposed to mutual catfishing. <laughs> it's the, that whole texting thing was ridiculous. How did she get their goddamn numbers? Mm, good question. Yeah. Well, <laughs> two famous people. <laughs> she obviously has some high tech skills that she got from changing wait, her mom's diapers. Changing <laughs> I wrote that line down. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll let yeah. you guys know that later. I'll, I'll fill that in. Yep. So in order to get this, you know, done, this to get this, you know, crime uh, solved, they basically set up a, a, well, I guess a double sting yep. in the park where they say, okay, monster, and we're just going to keep calling him the monster. The monster. The monster. What the fuck? Say, okay, this is it. If she shows up, then we know that um, she's actually blackmailing you. Right. And when she shows up and turns to run- they go chasing her. Yes. Like, into traffic. Into traffic. <laughs> like if they catch her, Angie Harmon is going to give her the needle. Exactly. So they have her in the interrogation room and they're looking at her phone and they're saying, show us what he sent you and show us what you sent him. And they're realizing it doesn't match up. And that's how they figure out the whole catfishing thing. Yeah. Now, Margo, I don't know if you looked very closely at those text messages, but did you know that they were all, you know, uh, spelled out correctly with proper punctuation? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be kind of 
Catfishing. <laughs> no letter U for you. You know what yeah. I mean? No, 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 no. No shortening anything. No misspellings. No weird uh, emojis. No poop emojis. Yep. Yeah, I call nope. bullshit. Yeah, it does remind me of those those earlier SVU episodes when they had the guy who would do the computers. Yes. And Elliot would dictate to him and he'd be like, he'd have to like say, laugh out loud. <laughs> it, it was translating for all the old people watching, you know? Smiley face emoji. Right. They wouldn't say emoji, just smiley face. But then they do have this, con- this, this sort of confrontation in the conference room mm-hmm. where all great justice happens. And they bring everyone together. And, you know, and they they do explain that, you know, they understand that the case for rape um, is very thin because he had been manipulated into it. Uh, but they said, we're going to hit you with something harder. And then... Katie, I, I really thought that you wanted I me to... I told you to stop. I didn't think you meant it. You choked me, Andy. I didn't know. You know what else you didn't know? I was a virgin. She was a virgin. The hardest punch to the gut <laughs> the, the ultimate fighter had ever taken. So, uh, so that's when he becomes a stand-up guy. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah, they, they really do go a long way to try to show him as, like, good guy, yeah. MMA guy, over and over again between Olivia Benson saying, Looks like there may be a heart somewhere under all those muscles. He's got some heart under those muscles. His heart under those muscles. <laughs> mm. um, despite the fact that he's driving that ridiculous red Hummer or whatever and wearing that ridiculous Rain satin over. jacket. And he yeah. looks kind of rapey all the time. Sorry. <laughs> Why would you go anywhere with them? ears. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's take a look at the second half of oh, this episode. Cannot wait. Which I loved. Detectives trace the messages to a town in West Virginia because Finn says he's allergic to the Mountain State. Rollins and Carisi <laughs> head down to arrest Heather Parcell. It's a stereotypical rural cottage with no running water but zippy Wi-Fi. <laughs> In between being the hillbilly Edward Snowden, Heather has been taking care of her sick mother. You have a computer, Miss Purcell? Computer? I get the clicker to work. It's a good day. Does anybody else live here? Heather! Mama, what's going on? Why do you keep your computer, Heather? You're the police? You know why we're here? Yeah, because I'm stupid. It's nice to meet you. That night, the detectives hit a tavern where the bartender hits on Rollins, who's dick-teasing Carisi. Someone knocks over a tray of drinks onto some locals who aren't very forgiving. Punchers are thrown, but their Appalachian Aikido <laughs> is no match for their NYPD brawling skills. <laughs> High on the thrill of going all roadhouse, Carisi walks Rollins to her motel room and... Swing and a miss. They almost kissed. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> Next morning, the boy in blue balls sees Rollins <laughs> had instead spent the night with the bartender. Mm. After driving Heather back from West Virginia, her public defender is replaced by a new high-priced attorney that Heather had catfished too. Small fucking world. <laughs> Keep going. I understand Heather comes across as a sympathetic, isolated girl, but to save the case, Barbara makes her admit she was motivated to harm Katie because the Instagram model seems to have everything while she's stuck changing her mother's colostomy bag. Mm. The jury finds her guilty. Mm. But what will the writers do with the remaining five minutes of the show? (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing amazing there are five minutes left, is it not? Yeah, Grandma Sheila... 
takes Noah coat shopping where a mysterious hooded figure is lurking. She turns around for just, and I swear to God I timed this, nine seconds. Mm. Then cut to Olivia getting an emergency phone call that leaves her with that cliffhanger look on her face. Mm. All right, so let's start. In- where do we begin? I where know. do we begin? <laughs> we have to unpack this, but where do we begin? Buck the bartender? <laughs> we really had like three different stories all going at once. Can we talk about West Virginia? All right, let's Please. start in West Virginia. <laughs> so we have the house, the bar, the residence. Um, the sheriff who doesn't know anything about this jurisdictional stuff. Yeah. Who makes the arrest, you or me? Yeah, have these writers ever been to West Virginia? Because it just sounds like... They watched Deliverance and said, close enough. <laughs> it's the clicker. She had a clicker in her hand. No one had said that in 30 years. No, no, not even in West Virginia. Not even West Virginia. Now, I know it's NBC Universal. She uh, she did have the uh, Xfinity. She did the Comcast. The X1 <laughs> clipper, yeah, clicker. All she have to do is, is just talk into the microphone and be like, beep. Play my shows. It seems like they worked extra hard to make this so podunk. Uh, they found the motel with the lawn jockeys, as we mentioned, which mm-hmm. we know they filmed this entire show on location in the New York metropolitan area. So yeah, if there are listeners out there who know where that motel is with those like lawn jockeys in front of it, I really want to know. I want to know like what motel in New York has the balls to have all those lawn jockeys in front of it. Like it's the 21 Club or some yeah. shit like that. Well, you know, at some point they had to paint the faces. <laughs> they had to paint them white yes. to make it acceptable. They have that. What was the name of the bar? The Barrel? I, I really hope it wasn't the TV. TV show guys that said, okay, this is perfect, but I'm sorry, sir, we're painting those guys white. <laughs> but the bar was named what, like The Barrel? The Barrel. <laughs> the Barrel. The Barrel. What'd you think of The Barrel, Margo? Is that a place you'd go if you were visiting uh, West Virginia? I think it would be like right out of Central Casting, like everybody there, including Buck, the bartender, <laughs> who's the like Buck. not quite good enough for Williamsburg, Brooklyn, you know, hipster. But just hipster enough for West Virginia. Like, it's just that that level. And as soon as she started, like, eye-fucking him, basically, <laughs> over the drink, you knew that was going to happen pretty soon. Why? Here's my question. So Rollins in that scene is wearing, like, a sweater with, like, shoulder cutouts. Mm-hmm. Who brings that shit in a work trip? They're on a work trip. They're on a police work trip. <laughs> what do they think? Look, she had a few hours at night to herself. She knew what she was doing. Maybe we'll have a motel that has a swimming pool, so I'm going to pack some trunks. You know, they just don't... She's got nice shoulders. She's got to show them to sh- somebody. She does. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so l- let's talk about Rollins for a second. Let's do it. Now, remember, she became a single mom the old-fashioned way. Yep. By banging her boss. But Yeah, by... <laughs> By accepting the D. Yeah. Um, and she's pretty open about her sexuality. Which with, I love. With Carisi. Right. Whereas Olivia Benson very rarely is. What, so, open with Carisi about her sexuality? No. <laughs> <laughs> open, like, open with the audience. I mean, we've seen her been on, be on some dates and yeah. kind of pine for people. And we have seen her in bed. Yeah. You know, she had kind mm-hmm. of a, you know, a relationship there with Cassidy. But and I with Tucker. Feel, Don't forget about Tucker. I, I feel like... The writers are holding back Olivia's character in that part of her life for some reason. Well, when it comes to Olivia, it's almost like she is trapped, just like with the whole Noah stuff, in this like uncomfortable in my woman skin mm-hmm. character. Yeah. I mean, when the show first started, like way back in the day, like it's her and Elliot, she is 
like a drop dead gorgeous woman. The show started in what, like 99? Mm-hmm. Yep. And mm-hmm. she is like one of the most stunning women that's ever been on television. And she's right. with Elliot Stabler and there's all this tension. And she's like friends with Elliot's wife and it's always like suppressing whatever kind of like attraction she has for him and for other people. Like back burner, I'm all about work. I'm all about thinking about my rapist dad and my alcoholic mom and putting myself in the back burner. And her relationships are always with inappropriate men and they're always weird and they're always awkward. Except for that one notable case where she like dropped her pants the minute Harry Connick Jr. walked into the room. Oh, we all did. (laughs) She does not seem to. The character is not built to be comfortable in her own skin and as a sexual being and as a woman. I think it's going back to her original psychology that she was the product of a rape. And so they wanted to put that on a woman like, well, she can never feel good about sex because look how she came into this world. And I think it's that old fashioned idea about her. And I I would like to see her grow in that way, too, and find somebody. But I don't know. She's so doomed. I mean, (laughs) Mr. Wright comes along and something's happening to him. I don't know. Maybe it's better. Mr. Wright comes along and his name's going to be like Jeffrey Dahmer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try to ask this question very delicately because this isn't about Mariska, but is the character of Olivia Benson in season 19, should, uh, I guess, should, should... should she be written the same way nope. as she was in season no. one? No, that's my Next point. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No. All right. No, evolution. I think differently than I did 20 years ago, don't you? I mean, I think I'm a different yes. person. I look at the world differently. Yeah, why not? She works in sex crime. She should be a little bit more hip. Exactly. And okay with life. Yeah, okay with herself. And by this time, we all know she's gone through the change. That She's got nothing exactly. to lose. Yeah. I mean, we all know she's two years older than her kid's grandmother. That's right. So I guess, I guess that's okay. Brooke Shields is really the grandmother? Yeah, she's Ellie oh Porter's mom. Yeah, there's a whole, because you haven't been tuned into SVU in a while, I'm not going to bore you with the whole, like, Ellie, Noah's mom backstory. But it was a multi, multi-episode, multi-year arc where uh, oh Noah's God. mom was like a prostitute slash drug addict slash victim that Olivia got to know well, who died in a horrible way, and was Noah as a baby was sold to, like, pornographers. It was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. You think you think Olivia has bad luck? Noah definitely has given her a run for her money. (laughs) That's why they found each other. That's right. In a trash can. (laughs) Exactly. Losers. Losers going through life together, you know, hooked arm in arm. Like, here we go, kid. (laughs) It's you and me against the world. (laughs) Just you and me. I want to come back to Rollins for a second because now we're starting to see a little bit more of their relate her relationship with Carisi. Right. And okay, so now mm-hmm. Rollins knows that Carisi is being uh pissy because he knows that she screwed the bartender. Right. And she approaches him and she says You know I'm human, right? Right. And human people have sex, sometimes with people they love, sometimes with people they don't even know. Mm, thanks for that. And sometimes with people who are pains in the ass. So Margot, which one of these three kinds of people is Carisi? <laughs> He's supposed to be the last one, so he's supposed to think in the back of his head, uh-oh, I got a door open someplace. <laughs> now, keep in mind that we've seen this Carisi evolution, right? When he first came on the show, he was this slick, obnoxious, wannabe law student 
He had this mustache. He had this ridiculous porn mustache. Yeah, it was like, and he wasn't very, uh, he was very ham-fisted with all of these special Yeah, victims. he had like he did, no yeah. depth. He yeah. was ridiculous. And then we see him evolve over time. He's actually really, really smart. He's the one who very often ends up coming up with a thing that solves the crime these days. And then when Rollins had her baby, Creasy was the one who was there for her and like helping her take care of the baby because he's like really good with kids because apparently he's Italian, which stereotypically means he has to have like 150 nieces and nephews or whatever so Mm -hmm. they have ostensibly formed this bond and maybe he thinks it's going somewhere but i gotta say the speech the sex speech when i think as a viewer we're supposed to think that maybe she doesn't know that he's on to her or whatever Mm -hmm. then it becomes clear that she knows the whole time and she's like it's none of your fucking business to me that was the greatest rollins moment in the history of this show she has finally come into her own as a character as of this episode i i agree and if there were not a kidnapping i think what people would remember about this episode is what they were all talking about on the internet is this almost kiss Mm. Where mm-hmm. uh, Carisi is expressing his uh, his feelings, mm-hmm. and whoo, they miss. Now, Margo, you've been a f- uh, you know a fan of lots of different kinds of stories, and mm-hmm. you know, like when Mulder finally gets with Scully, and with <laughs> when Sam finally gets with Diane, and when uh, David Addison finally gets with Maddie on Moonlighting. This is when all those relationships jump the shark. They never get any better, do they? Very rarely. I mean, Sam and Diane were actually kind of funny. The show was still funny, but they hated each other. So that was what was good about it. Like, uh-huh. they still had resentment towards one another, so it made it funny. But the other what, times that it happens, like, yeah, I don't want them being sweet to each other. I kind of like that they're snarky. He wants a girlfriend. Yeah. Carisi wants a girlfriend. Right. He wants somebody to snuggle with on the couch and watch Game of Thrones. She just wants to bang guys and then go back to her kid. Yeah. Neither one's wrong, yeah. but they don't want the same thing. She also wants to be able to go to work and not have to worry about fucking relationships while she's at work. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, somebody giving her the stink eye, you know. <laughs> she's, she's learned that lesson. Yes, yeah. she had sex with her acting boss, and now she has a baby, and now she's just like, you know what? I'd rather go back to my old gambling habit than like get into this <laughs> trap again. I wanted to bring up the gambling <laughs> habit, because I remember her from that first season she was on, and she was such a sad sack, yep. because she was always broke and wanting to gamble. Yeah. And Munch was like her pal. Yeah, like for like so for a lot of years, Rollins has been like fourth banana in the squad room, right? Like mm-hmm. she was first the gambling mm-hmm. Addict. And then she had the whole bullshit thing with her crazy sister. And she was like the crazy one who was like crazy sister. And then she it turns out she was raped by her former like lieutenant or captain or whatever in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Uh, and then she's the single mom, Rollins. Like she's always like confronting something, right? So confronting some demon or dealing with some bullshit or getting disciplined. And now we right. finally have like a fully formed person making good choices. Because by the way, I can argue, I can make a strong case that it is better to have sex with a stranger bartender in West Virginia than it is to have with the guy you're going to have to see at work the next day? Is Wait a minute. Exactly. <laughs> Wait a minute. As, your, as your husband, I want to know how and why you are making this argument. <laughs> she doesn't have time for all these entanglements. She's got a kid. She's got a busy career. Buck is available <laughs> and just for a few hours and then she never has to deal with him again. I, I, I can see the allure. And then she has to go back to the squad room and run the fancy PowerPoint. She doesn't have time for this shit. 
Now, are we supposed to believe that this girl who dropped out of school has the computer skills to clone phones and catfish celebrities? Yes, it's SVU. <laughs> yes, it's SVU? Exactly. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Next question. <laughs> I forgot all about her, too, by the way. Like, I, I could, I could, I forgot all about her as soon as the show was over. I was all about everybody else in the, in the episode, but she just kind of disappeared for me. Yeah. It just, it was too convenient. But you know what? Here's the thing. Remember at the end, their whole revenge thing is based on the fact that, like, she showed a photo to the two victims, and apparently she was so, like, hideous that neither one of them wanted her to be able to be brought along or whatever on the date. Yeah. She was not so bad looking. She was kind of cute. She was kind of cute. cute. She was cute. Yeah. Yeah. She was cute. Yeah. She was fine. I mean, for West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, even Barbara thinks that Heather is doing this out of boredom and not malice. And so then he figures out how to go after her on the stand. How many Instagram followers do you have? I don't know. Miss Miller has over 200,000. The monster has 5 million. How many Instagram followers do you have? I don't know. You have six. It isn't fair. He beats people up for a living. She posts sexy photos of herself holding shampoo. They're both famous. They both have lots of friends. You resent them both, don't you, Heather? Nobody gives a damn what you have to say about anything. I never meant to hurt Andy. What about Katie? She's from Pensacola. It's not much bigger than Maysville. She posts near-naked photos of herself, and they make her rich. And I have to rub Mama's feet. You want to get even? It's not fair! She gets paid to take a shower, and I have to change Mama's poop bag? She deserves what she got! I don't think that Barbara's heart was in this one. I think Olivia talked him into it, as often is the case. And I do think it does prove some of the fans of this show's theory that, like, Barbara's actually in love with Olivia and will do anything she says. Because as as he correctly points out to her, there's no real case here. Like, she didn't actually rape anyone. She's bored. She's a good witness and a solid witness. She couldn't have known the consequences of what she had done. But then they come up with this ridiculous motive, which is that, like, can I bring a friend along? And both of them said no. And that means that the intent was different. And then on the stand, it all works out. It, like, the result was to Jack McCoy. And what Barbara actually did wasn't Jack McCoy at all. So didn't really work for me. I had to laugh because I wrote this down, too, because the show cracked me up so much. But at one point, she said she was inspired by Mama Soaps. You know, <laughs> 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 it's just, you know, all this stuff is like, oh, that's the reason why you decided to create a rape in New York City. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> Guiding Light or I don't know what the hell was on anymore. I mean, it's just it's General Hospital, whatever. Like that show inspired you. It was the whole thing was just so silly. And I, I went back to like Instagram. You only have six followers. That's ridiculous. Anybody can get like 100 followers like in no time. That's a bullshit number that they think. Yeah brought out there it just it was so but it's like that's the show you know people do give up their motive right in front of the jury that was eating your bullshit the day before it's just yeah but that's why we watch it this is also a show in which she claimed that mary tyler moore went to new york so she always wanted to go to new york too (laughs) and without even skipping a beat everyone's like yeah she wanted to be just like mary tyler i'm like Mary Tyler Moore went to Minneapolis. What is the matter with you people? (laughs) The attention to detail here is either zero or they think we're really stupid or it's some weird combination of both. How old is Heather? (laughs) 20? Maybe. She doesn't know who Mary Tyler Moore is. (laughs) Yes. Well, they have cable. She has no fucking clue. You would say throw your beret in the air. She'd go, huh? Yeah. Like any 20-year-old would. I mean, there's, I, yeah, they think we're, I don't know who, who uh, that writer's room, do they laugh like we're laughing when they talk about the plot? I hope so. 
Now, for our listeners who aren't listen, listening to us on Stitcher Premium and heard this episode a week sooner, th- this podcast episode drops the same day as the follow-up episode on NBC, okay, which is entitled Ooh. Gone Baby Gone. Mm. So let's be really cold-blooded TV producers and writers here. Uh, is this the perfect chance to end the tiresome storyline of Grandma Sheila and maybe the never-ending melodrama of Olivia's parenting woes? What are you you're gonna like kill off both Noah and Sheila in well, like one fell swoop? Let's let's ask our guest. <laughs> wow. Who has who has, you've seen between books and movies, you've seen a lot of, you know, characters all of a sudden mysteriously go and it's the plot is better for it. I could totally see Sheila going. She's very annoying. This is not great it's not a great part for Brooke Shields. She doesn't look happy. It's a it's a dumb part. <laughs> She's just kind of moping around, and it's, it's you could tell she's constrained by it. I mean, Sheila needs to go. Noah needs mm. to go to a school someplace. Military school. Oh, no. Military school. The thing about Sheila and, and Brooke Shields playing Sheila is that, think about the dialogue they give this accomplished, seasoned actress. When she says, Yeah, I'm having some plants delivered. I know it's just a furnished Airbnb, but I need a little green. First of all, has anybody either on this podcast or listening to this podcast ever seen an unfurnished Airbnb? Yeah, that's not, there's... That is not a thing. No, that's not a thing. (laughs) It's not a thing. If there's no B or B. That's right. And the idea that this character would be in New York ostensibly for the sole purpose of spending time with like her long lost grandchild, the son that she didn't know her dead daughter even had. She's gone through the trouble of taking Olivia to court, of having all these like, you know, ridiculous, fraught situations just so she can like become friends with this woman and like get to know her grandson a little bit. Are we really thinking that, like, she's not going to have dinner with this family so she can have, like, some plants delivered? I have plants being delivered. Like, it's so weird. Like, this whole construct around her and who she is and where she comes from. And it's just super fucked up and boring. Yeah. And it just, it it makes me feel like Brooke Shields is like, please send me back to that stupid island with that naked guy. Please. Because it was better than this. Yeah. Now, I don't have any, like, real insight, but I went to IMDB. (laughs) And uh, it does not have Brooke Shields listed in the cast of the following episode. After Gone Baby Gone? After Gone Baby Gone. Mm, But they do have guest appearances by, ready for this? Yes. Mm -hmm. Tamara Toomey as (gasps) Warner (gasps) and Carolyn McCormick as Olivette. Yes. Oh, wow. That's exciting. I'll actually watch that. Well, there's one other thing that I noticed on IMDb today. Do you know what the first episode of this season was called? No, what? Gone Fishing. Don't you feel like they fucking wasted that title on that oh. other episode? <laughs> you think you think like they were in the writers' room afterwards and someone said, "Oh, you know what that reminds me of?" <laughs> Those catfishers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the real life story that inspired this episode. Can't it's wait. time for rip from the headlines. <laughs> really can't wait. You think you know who did you it? Think you know who did it? But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. This episode is inspired by the real-life case of NBA star Chris Anderson, who fell victim to a 2011 double catfish scheme. (gasps) Known for his many tattoos, the 33-year-old basketball player, nicknamed The Birdman, started a Facebook relationship with the 17-year-old Instagram model Paris Dillon. Neither knew their communications were being orchestrated by a third party. The couple's messages became X-rated, and after a brief rendezvous, their real relationship became strained. The catfisher threatened to blackmail each of them if they broke up. 
This resulted in Anderson's computer being seized by police who were tipped it contained nude selfies of Dylan. The Denver Nuggets cut Anderson because of the scandal. His career seemed to be over. Investigators, though, traced all of the messages to a secluded village in Manitoba. They learned 28-year-old Shelley Chartier had been triangulating artificial relationships between athletes, reality stars and playboy bunnies. Investigators say it was the most complex catfishing operation they'd ever seen. After serving a 12-month sentence for fraud, Chartier was released from a Canadian prison in 2016. And cleared of all charges, Anderson returned to basketball and won an NBA championship with the Miami Heat in 2013. Yeah, all's well that ends well for Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson, who, when he was 33, knowingly tried to date a 17-year-old? Well, I will say that, <laughs> well, first of all, uh, well, I, you know, I'm going to say age of consent. It was their, still. their relationship. Still. Their, they had a, we, yes, still. <laughs> I'm going to say that. But the photos. As the father of a 17-year-old, how do you feel about that, Kevin? Uh, I, I don't know if I'd want the bird man <laughs> to be the one to, uh, you know, deflower any of my children. <laughs> Uh, 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 but yeah, I mean, um, this certainly did look like this was going to rough up his his career. Actually, both of their careers. Well, you know, we thought it was very unlikely that Heather mm. from West Virginia could do what she could do. Yeah, but ninth grade dropout Shelley Cartier did it. I know. I'm dumbfounded. Look at me. Look at my face. Yeah. I'm slack jawed. I'm dumbfounded. This is a really incredible rip from the headline story. I've never heard the story. I'm excited to hear it. Um, did Anderson have cauliflower ears like the monster did? Like the monster did? No. <laughs> Which, by the way, those were prosthetic ears. Oh, is that why he looked like like we really thought he was? And he doesn't have those tattoos. No, I looked up yeah. the actor in real life. It's that guy, Howie, whatever his face is. And he's just like a regular looking dude. I mean, he's ripped or whatever, but like. Yeah, he is a monster. Yeah, he's a monster, <laughs> but he's not the monster but at back, all. But back to, to, to rip from the headlines. Uh, Margo, it is a little easier to do this like on Facebook Instant Messenger because until it wasn't until very recently, recently that Facebook also did sort of the blue check mark. To verify those celebrities, those are their actual Facebook pages like Twitter has done. So it's very easy to set up a fake Facebook account mm-hmm. and pretend to be a celebrity and then just start being the third party be- between two two actual celebrities. I guess so. I'm, I'm just kind of freaked out that this is a, a really crazy person from Manitoba can cause all this damage. <laughs> what is in the water there? I mean, my God. I thought Manitoba was like home to nice people. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, she admit again, and, and Heather said a very similar thing in the show. She said that she did it because she was bored, mm. lonely, mm. and stupid. Well, she wasn't stupid. <laughs> no, she's smart. Yeah, she was yeah. smart. She I was mean, stupid for doing it, but she was, she was very smart in how it. she got to do it. Yeah. Right, which is the thing that's funny that one really sad moment in this episode for me was when they went to Heather's hovel or whatever she lived in in West Virginia. Like, mm-hmm. Her like thing in the holler or whatever it was she lived in like, the that, holler like, cartoon version of West Virginia that they had making some applejack in exactly the yeah. exactly and like she walks in and they're like do you have a computer she's like it's under the bed and they're like we, do you know why we're here and she's like yeah because I was stupid and that was sad it was, that was like, very she sad stupid she she like put in motion a sequence of events where like a beautiful young woman ended up in a penthouse and like horrible things happened and like there was a whole relationship created and there was that whole like Pensacola Argentina 
mix-up. I mean, how stupid could she have been? It's funny because when these two celebrities actually got together in real life, the basketball player and the model, they found out that the, the, the real relationship got strained because they found out that a lot of the things that they thought they had in common, that they had talked about... Puppies. The other one hadn't heard. <laughs> Getting because picked it had on been, in high school. Well, it had been filtered, right? It <laughs> yeah. had been filtered by... The third party, so right. it didn't send everything along. So when they realized, yeah, no, this isn't your th- right. I, I don't know if it you're was you're not like, a vegan after all. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it it kind of soured, and that's what prompted her. To- you're not into horseback riding. Okay, now I can see why a lonely teen would fall for it, like on MTV. But why do celebrities get catfished? I think it's the flattery of the ego. You know, you flatter somebody, and then they they're just catnip for them, and especially like some famous people, they're just they're very vulnerable to that. Our, our own president is vulnerable to that. Yeah, it's. Interesting, you know, my it, it is it is a thing. I think that you see, you know, Kevin and I, you you and I both have the check mark. Uh, that's a whole story for another day on Twitter. And there is a thing that happens when you communicate with people who are like we're not actually well known, but who they who actually are well known, who do pay attention to what you have to say about them. If you also are seen as like maybe being in their club, but although not mm-hmm. really, it's a whole different like weird social media strata where it's like oh this is also a real person. And then there's like that whole vibe of like wanting to be admired by quote actual people. It's it's kind of fucked up. Yeah, I do believe, actually believe Rob Kardashian was in this ring of beans. <gasps> that was doesn't a surprise Kardashian. me at all. Of oh, course wow. it was Rob. Yeah. Of course it was poor, poor Rob. Poor thing. Poor thing. Uh, yeah, you know, and so all these people. The saddest Kardashian. The saddest Kardashian. <laughs> the littlest Kardashian. The least marketable Kardashian. Yeah. yeah. Bless his heart. As they say in the South. As they say in West Virginia. As they say in West Virginia. Bless his heart. Well, that's going to do it for us. I want to thank our very special guest, Marco Donahue. Marco, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, the best place to follow me is on my Twitter. Uh, all my social media is at Brooklyn Fitchick, and that's just for all the shows that I work on, and that's my personal social media. So reach out to me there, and I'll reach out back. And Rebecca, if our listeners want to catfish you, where can they do that? Oh, they can try. Uh, I am at Reb Lavoy on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can track me on Twitter to see what shampoo I'm using. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. It's head and shoulders. Our, <laughs> no flakes. Our newsreader is Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoy. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law and Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. To get ad-free episodes of These Other Stories a week early and other exclusive content, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash crime to start your free trial. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Other Stories was recorded in the Podcast Hall of Justice <laughs> and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media.